0: today's message is part of your new nature in jesus so if you are a child of the living god i'm going to talk to you about one piece of your dna everybody familiar with dna right it's it's our wiring it's who we're made to be and if you're not familiar yet or you've been wondering about this we we had an old nature amen some of you still keeping it around, but you can kick it off, okay? We had an old nature. In Christ, we are a new creation. Amen? Amen. And so uh, how many of you know uh, it doesn't happen overnight, but we are being transformed into the goodness of God. And so for some of you, today's message is just a reminder, just a refresher, just purely an encouragement. For others of you, it's going to maybe open your eyes to some things, I hope. But either way, I'm excited to teach. And today's message is entitled, Generosity is in You. Generosity is in you. We're going to cover a few different passages, but my hope today at the end of the day is to encourage you and equip you to walk with generosity. Proverbs chapter 11 Verse 24 through 25. This is the message translation. It's a bit like a commentary by a pastor, Eugene Peterson. And in Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 through 25, I love how it frames it. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Every time I read that, maybe not every time, but often when I read that verse, Scrooge comes to mind. Little Charles Dickens comes into my mind about his famous Christmas carol. And Scrooge is just such a vivid picture, not only of somebody that is stingy, but the transformation that takes place to live a life of generosity. Generosity, its uh, if you will, it's, it's, it's part of our fruit as a child of God. Because here's, here's the catch 22. Discipleship at its simplest level is becoming Christ-like. And so here's what you need to know about your Heavenly Father. I'm sure you're aware, but He is remarkably Generous. That'd be this is a really great time to amen. So let me soft let me softball you again. Some of you, it's new. It's new. Y'all, you may want to get a handkerchief ready. You can put that up and wave that around. Just get ready. Okay. Let's try that again. Your heavenly father is outrageously and remarkably generous. Amen. Amen. All right. Think. Think. He sent his who? Son. Son. That's pretty generous, isn't it? Remarkably. And in his economy of grace, we can't earn our way into the kingdom. But as the apostle Paul would write in Galatians, it is a free gift that no one can boast. We have a remarkably, remarkably generous Heavenly Father, I want you to think even about your own life. Generosity can take all form and fashion, right? Today we'll lean a little bit on on generosity of hand in our finances, but just even think before we go there. Think about our words. Think about how our generosity of words could transform the arena or the environment we find. Come on, how many of you know nothing can crack a cold, hard heart like an encourager? Right? Sometimes you have to sow those seeds by faith. Amen and amen. You show up to work. You just begin to encourage. Slowly over time, that encouragement grows seeds, begins to bear fruit in our lives. And a lot of times I'll find myself discouraged, a little disappointed. There's a habit I picked up about 10 years ago. Text myself into encouragement. And what is that? It's generosity. So I want you to try it. Not right now. Don't get on your you don't have to be on your phone. When you're bummed out, you're feeling isolated, you're feeling borderline depressed, grab your phone, pick ten people, and just tell them something nice. I promise you, you'll begin to lift. You'll begin to shift. It pivots from what isn't happening. To what can happen. And that's generosity, generosity of spirit. In fact, I want to give you some biblical precedents from the Old Testament here, some biblical precedents. So in the Old Testament in a nutshell, we get the story of God through the people of Israel. And from the outset, God is wiring within them generosity, not wiring within them stinginess or selfishness, But wiring, part of their nature, which here's what's crazy. We believe is wired into us. That before sin and fall and doing all that stuff we did, when we were created, we're created in God's image. And I even, as wild as it may seem, believe we've got that DNA running through our veins. But perhaps we've been so trained or so given to the ways and the witness of the world parts of our old nature. Come on, we just having to let that go a little bit. But know this, that we are wired. You were designed to be a generous person. Let me read four passages to you. If you're taking down notes, you can write these down or you can just follow along on the screen. (laughs) Nobody says this book is their favorite book, the one I'm about to quote. In fact, Many people who go through the one-year Bible, they push pause when they get to this book and they just wait till the next one comes. But in the book of Leviticus, where was that energy five minutes ago, y'all? The groaning in that moment. In the book of Leviticus, God is training and equipping his people. He's not just giving them spiritual laws. He's giving them some societal laws as well. But I love this, in the society that it, the Israelite, real, Israelites excuse me, would be set up for, they had to be generous. Think about this when you think, some of you in your job, when you hear these verses that I'm about to read, you going to know, ooh, that's not the company I work for. That is not the boss I have. That's not the economy we run on. But look how God set up his people. In the book of Leviticus, there are a couple passages I want to look at. But the first is chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, talking about the harvest. Right, So you can imagine the grain fields and the harvest, the fruit, all that's taking place. Well, they would go and they would harvest. And here is what the Lord instructs them. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for who? And who? Generous, isn't it? Remarkably generous. That's how God operates with us. We were foreigners to his grace until we experienced it. It's remarkable. Leviticus chapter 23, 21 and 23 gets a bit redundant, if you will, or repetitive, but the same theme. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to where? The very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Now they would know the experience that they encountered. See, this is the same, at this time, it's the same generation experiencing the generous provision of the Heavenly Father, who in the desert provided miraculously for them with manna and quail. And here's what he told them, store up just for that day. And then the day before the Sabbath, store up two days provide enough so they had been trained in this and now they're on the cusp from entering into the promised land and god says hey when you get there you're going to have overflow you're going to be provided for you're going to be in a wealthy situation the land it's flowing with milk and honey but here's the thing don't consume it all be generous live generous Deuteronomy 15: seven and eight. If anyone is among your, or if, excuse me, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them, rather be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. I love that. Let's bring a little story into it, if you're familiar with Scripture. Familiar with some of the famous stories in the Old Testament, there's a famous famous book called the Book of Ruth. And in Ruth chapter 2, 1 through 4, we see these very laws being practiced. Ruth chapter 2, 1 through 4, Naomi had a relative. So that's Ruth's mother-in-law had a relative on her husband's side. A man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields, here it is, and pick up what? It was assumed. Ruth is a foreigner. She's foreign, a Moabite. This isn't her land, this isn't her chosen space. But she's in the kingdom of Yahweh. She's in the kingdom of God where generosity can in some ways be assumed. It's remarkable. So she says, let me go to the fields, pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who, whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi, ooh, I'll get it together. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. So it's quite a, quite a beautiful picture. The harvesters are going throughout. And then behind them, you'd see the foreigners, the poor, they would go and they would be taken whether grapes or wheat or barley, whatever that particular harvest is. So she went out, entered a field, began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Eliminate. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. They answered. Biblical precedents... For our spiritual DNA. If you haven't noticed, a big piece of our discipleship is partnering with God. Not on how we view ourselves, but on who he sees us as. Do you know God looks at you and he sees you as incredibly generous? He, he looks at you and he, and, he, and he sees you as incredibly generous. Jesus was so, so generous with his time, with his talent treasure so faithful so true so giving so loving now if you're anything like me you weren't born generous if you're anything like me you have to practice generosity because there are obstacles to generosity in our day-to-day living some of us, it was our family of origin. There was never enough. Even when there was more than enough, your dad grumpily told you, there's never enough. Or your mom grumpily told you that your dad said, there's never enough. No, I'm just putting it all on the dads. I'm kidding. But perhaps your thinking has never expanded to even receive. Maybe, no joke, there would be no surprise if physiologically especially within the context of a church, you hear a pastor speak on generosity. Sometimes, physiologically, you can feel actual tension in your body. Because you're not accustomed to anyone looking you in the eye and saying, you were created for generosity. Because what one thing I've noticed, an argument I used to have is, I'm not that rich. I'm not that wealthy. Then I started running some of the statistics and seeing some of the things across the globe, and I realized, oh, majority of the world lives on a dollar a day. Okay? If you have two vehicles as a family of four, there are only 1% of the entire humanity who have that. Okay? Well, maybe I am a little better off than I thought. If you have clothes on your back, shelter, a bed to sleep in, you're ahead of most of humanity, and began to shift, began to see, oh, you know, maybe there are some things, maybe there is some wind in my back, maybe I'm not as far off as I thought, but the society we live in tells us, man, you don't have enough, you'll never have enough, and I'll share in a moment how that's the spirit, the spirit of the age, that you'll never imagine much, you can't dream, you can't, listen, hold on to all that you have, hold it tightly, don't live generously, hold it tightly. Obstacles to generosity that I've found, personally walk through the first two. First is ignorance. Sometimes people just have no idea that God actually looks at them and says, you're generous. They have no idea that God has called them to live with an open hand, caring, lending, loving, serving, giving. Had no idea. I had to learn. Can I tell you, as a teenager, I was pretty good at spending money, somebody. Still pretty good at spending money, to be honest with you. And I just, I just really didn't have a concept. I had, my parents had to teach me. Thank God they did. The youth group taught me. My church taught me. I would pay attention from time to time. On a good Sunday, I was paying attention. I had to, I had to learn. I was walking in ignorance. I had no idea. I mean, I loved God, but nobody had ever told me, wow, there's a way to live generously. And so, in some ways, the, the Israelite people, they... They were trained in the ways of God, so they weren't ignorant. But sometimes ignorance is a real holdup for people. They didn't realize that they're not just called to consume, they're called to contribute. They They just didn't realize. Ignorance could be an obstacle. This next one's great, really fun. Get a lot of fans off of it. Selfishness or greed can be an obstacle. Pull of the spirit of the age. Nobody, right? You know, I know how it is as a pastor. They're two people's favorite topics to talk about, family and finances. People love when you get involved with their family and with their finances. They get really excited when they invite all their friends to church, right? Right, tongue in cheek. All right, but here's the deal. There's been seasons, there's been moments in my life just, you know, we encourage that listening prayer, sitting with God, leaning in and listening. There's been times he just pierced my own heart with selfishness. The temptation to greed. And listen, if you're like, man, why are you teaching on this? Well, Jesus taught on this more than heaven or hell. It was one of his favorite topics, generosity. Because he knew it's also one of the biggest areas the enemy cripples the soul. Budget restraints, maybe you have considered generosity, but you got some budget restraints. Amen. We've all experienced that. Maybe you've not crafted or intentionally created a, a, a budget that can bless. Those who are in the growth track today in our 201, you heard some of our financial parameters. We live by the 80, 10, 10 rule. If you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, that's the basic principle. It's not always easy, It's not always basic in one's personal life, but it's that 80, 10, 10. Principle: 80 percent. 10 percent saving, 10 percent giving. Maybe budget restraints, you're like, ah, can I do a 98, one-on-one? Sure, start somewhere. But it's a beautiful setup. Or maybe for some, I've heard this. Sometimes you want to participate, you want to give, but the debt got so high. Can I tell you? God's grace is so great. His grace is so great. He can help you with that debt, promise. Trusting in Him, beginning to navigate life his way can be remarkable. So, laid a bit of the foundation. I want to equip us now to be a people that align with generosity. Generosity. Think of that. Aligning with generosity. If you think about alignment, you think about your vehicle, every once in a while you begin to drift. It can happen to any of us. It can happen to me. Sometimes we, we, we don't even intentionally drift, but we just kind of... I'm drifting the way of culture. So what do we do? We just realign. Paul would encourage Timothy. Timothy would encourage the church. You can read it all throughout the New Testament. He would encourage them to align with generosity. Align. Book of Acts, we see the early church. They all of a sudden, all were saved. They're all of a sudden experiencing the life of the Spirit, that new nature. And here's what they're doing. They're aligning with God's Word, God. God's Word over His way. So the biggest thing that I've noticed is having the right perspective. First is, live with God as your source. Let me just read that. Let me say it again. Live with God as the source of your life. Many times, God is just a resource for people's lives. That's the perspective. I want to encourage you to begin to pray, to begin to ask Jesus to help you to live with God as the source of your life. James one17 Half-brother of Jesus. He wrote this. He said, Every good, perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights with whom there is no changing or shifting shadow. Live with God as the source. Matthew 6, 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the Flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? Not to you, but to the people at the time, you of little faith. Okay, maybe a little bit to you and to the people at the time. You of little faith. Live with God As the source. Can I be honest with you? As you're learning to live with God as the source. I feel like a salesman, advertiser in this moment. You will experience some side effects. Um, Excruciating pain. Headaches indigestion, potential leg cramps, vomiting, diarrhea. Okay. Um. (laughs) Amen. All right, but no, I mean it. I mean it. If, let me just say this hypothetically, like, like, like you do some research, you spend some time this past week, You meet with Jesus. He's going to speak to you. He's going to invite you. Hey, yeah, let's get generous. Let's start living with the Spirit. Just be prepared. I want to be a good pastor and tell you the truth. It can be excruciatingly painful, especially depending as you grow and how the Spirit leads. There's been two occurrences. I'm not going to spend much time there with, but they were very, very painful. Not for Kelly. She's an angel. We all know that she's an angel, and uh, I'm not a fallen angel, but I'm, uh, sometimes I can get hangry. Anyhow, I remember two times we've uh, participated with just a graduated tithe, so we do 10 percent, a little bit more than that. That 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 was not the painful part. The painful part for us, we we. Felt like the Lord inviting us to do things twice. <laughs> I, I know there will be more times, right? So, um, Twice, though, we experienced some painful things. One was I was listening to a message called The Key to Revival by a pastor named Bill Johnson out of Bethel in um, the Pacific North, Northwest. And he said a little-known key to revival is having your finance, finances in order before God. I was like, oh, that's awesome, great, you know, experiencing God. Yeah, I love it. Well, I'm tracking through the whole thing, and I turn, I'll never forget this, I'm running. Not, not running away from God, I just run. So I'm running, it's like a workout, listening to it, I'm jamming, and this overwhelming sense of his presence, overwhelming just nudge, felt like he's say, man, give away one of your cars. Right, exactly. So um, I was running, and I was like, Man, I sure get some strange impulses when I'm running, you know? So I started, I started running and um, go back home. And, you know, that's great as a husband, you know, like, hey, that's exciting news. Your, your wife is going to be thrilled, you know, uh, or your husband will be thrilled. So this is how the interchange went. I came back home. We were moving something onto the patio. Uh, you know us men, we always know the best time to bring things up. So um, I was like, man, babe, I was really listening to this, this message. You know, this, it was interesting. And I uh, started sharing about it, and she's like, yeah, well, you know, we do that, we do that, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, but, but I feel like God wants us to give away the car. And um, she, and the first time, she was like, nah, that's not the Lord. <laughs> I was like, you're right, you're right. You know, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we talked about having five friends, and Kelly is wise counsel every time. So I was like, man, that's great. So no kidding, I processed for a little bit, and I was like, you know, that was impulsive. Thank the Lord, you know, for listening to your wife and being in agreement. Amen. So then um, we're in church service. I'd let it go. No kidding. It's like four or five weeks later. Like we're really obedient out the gate. Okay. You could tell. Um, so <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we're, at church, we're at church. We're on the front row. Now, keep in mind, at this point, I had totally dropped it. Everything was great, resolved. I had complete closure um, had moved on, if you will. And then Kelly's like, you know, I can't shake what you mentioned six weeks ago. (laughs) It's like, well, let me help you shake it, baby. We done. (laughs) Like, like, let me give you the wise counsel you gave me. That was stupid, you know? (laughs) And, uh, y'all know how the story ends because she was right. And, um, it was, um, given, and now here's what's funny i'm going to recommend a couple books in these books like the next day people obey and then they get like a new car and then they're like man they get like a promotion of some major race no not for us not for us i had no idea that the lesson the lord was going to take me on just to give, as Kelly said. You know what we get from that? What Kelly and I, you can't take us away. You can argue to death, generosity. No problem with you arguing. You can't take away from us the experience of knowing God as our source. God is our source. He didn't. He did not bring us a car. Isn't that a great argument for, hey, give your car away? Like, he did not. He did not. But what we got, what we got was Inexchangeable. in exchange we had the car paid off by the way so don't get any ideas if you like man we've been looking for what to do with this vehicle honey let's give these people the loan no we had it paid off so we- but can I tell you it was uh it was difficult for me especially Kelly had no resentment she had no bitterness her expectations were man we just obey I was the one who had a process resentment bitterness my, my expectations were sorely missed. But God's so gracious that when he invites you into something, it's a journey, not just a moment. And so he began to heal some places over my heart. And actually, through the launching of Hillside, not only the launching of Hillside, but the transition from Destiny, where we served for 10 years and still my pastor, the blessing upon blessing upon blessing is mind blowing still no car but the blessing upon <laughs> blessing upon blessing has been remarkable there's probably something in your life that it's an invitation it's an invitation it may be a letter You need to write. Just sensing this right now. Maybe a letter you need to write. Maybe an email you need to send. Maybe an old boss you need to call. You left on bad terms. And you need to call back. You say, I don't need to call back. But just the Lord, if you listen to him, he may invite you to do that to keep the generosity flow going. He may ask you, may invite you to do something excruciatingly painful. Can I tell you, it could be the best decision you make. I often tell people, you know, let's increase, you know, I want to increase my faith. I want to I be all God wants me. Okay, let's get real practical. You want to increase your faith. Where are you putting most of your faith? Most of the time, most of us put most of our faith in finance and in resources. God invites us to see him as the source. Then we move into the second part. It's kind of Captain Obvious, but if God is the source, what are we? We're a steward. We're invited to live as the steward of God's resourcing us. Amen? So we begin to position ourselves, and now you see how freeing that can be, just even in our own perspective. Oh my goodness, okay, God's the source, now we're the resource. That's how the kingdom of God has always existed. The promise to Abraham, the the father of our faith, hey, I'm going to bless you abundantly. You're going to be a blessing to all of creation. It was a generous blessing. Adam, or not Adam, Abraham just had to wait about 25 years. You ever notice God's not in a rush, right? But he's going to teach us. He's going to grow us. It's going to strengthen us. We're on a beautiful journey. Live with God as the source. Live with yourself as the steward. Beautiful, beautiful picture. Third is, start being generous today. Start being generous today. Some of my encouragements grow in biblical literacy in the area of giving begin to grow in it. In our um, growth track that we have, um, actually several of you today, we're just in our 201. Our 201 growth track class is set up. It's got a lot. It's kind of like a good buffet. You, we cover a lot of different topics, but one of the areas we, we, we cover is our governance, uh, the overseers, our elders, and then also our f- financial parameters. Well, we give you a free gift. At least we think it's a gift, not a thorn in your side. It's a, it's a gift, I hope, But it's called The Generosity Ladder, and it's written by Nelson Searcy, and it's very practical. He just says, you can can begin being generous. Sometimes we have an amount in our mind, and until our budget hits that amount, we're just going to keep things going. No, you can begin generous, like I said, 98%, 1% and 1%. Just because you may not be able to tithe, may not be able to sacrificially give, doesn't mean you have to withhold being generous. Feel nervous giving to a church? I'm okay with that. I don't think you should be. I'm just okay with that. So I encourage you, pick a missions organization. One by one ministries who we support as one of our global missions. Start with them. Remarkable. You begin to be generous. Begin to express this. Watch what God begins to do in your life. At the very least, here's what happens to your faith. Kind of like a good stock. Starts trending in the right direction. That's what happens for our faith. Starts. So it it's going. Like, wow, well, I didn't see that happening. I know, that's why I told you. It's incredible. You can begin. Begin to read the prophets in the Old Testament. See how they called forth Israel. Man, be generous. Live generous. Know that God's your provider. Israel had lost sight of how good of a heavenly father God has been. Heaven forbid I do this on time, from time to time. I lose sight of how good a heavenly father we have. You can start today. I'm going to read. I know some of you have read enough. But I'm going to read another recommendation. This is a crazy book recommendation, okay? This is a life changer. For those of you that are here for the first time, I didn't write the book. All right. It's called The Blessed Life. It's by a pastor in Texas called Robert Morris. This chapter alone is worth the $15.99 on Amazon. Breaking the spirit of mammon. Let's go deep just briefly. Lunch is coming, baby. Let's go deep just briefly. Jesus rarely called it money. He used an Aramaic term called mammon. He said it's impossible to serve two masters. I want you to think about this. He didn't say the devil. He said, mammon or God. Now that I've got you locked in, (laughs) listen to this. In less politically correct times, Before all things remotely Christian were purged from public schools, many high school students were were required to read John Milton's epic poem, Paradise Lost. If you were one of them, you know this poem painted a pretty detailed portrait of hell. In it, Milton showed Satan as a fallen commander-in-chief surrounded by his demon generals. Among them are Moloch, Dagon, Astarte, Osiris, and Belial. Each of these, of course, was the god of an idol-worshipping culture in ancient times and is mentioned in the Bible. Milton's poem depicts another demon standing at Satan's side. That demon's name is Mammon. You may recognize Mammon as a New Testament word. Jesus mentions it in a couple of places. For example, Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. After reading this verse, you can see why Milton would lump a demon named Mammon in with all those Old Testament idols. Jesus clearly suggests that it is possible to serve Mammon instead of serving God. But he goes even farther. Jesus states it is impossible to serve both at the same time. He says that you will love the one and hate the other. You will be loyal to one and despise the other. According to Jesus, there's no middle ground, no half and half. Mammon apparently is a jealous God. Jesus certainly makes a striking contrast between the spirit of God and the spirit of mammon. But just what is mammon? Mammon is an Aramaic word that essentially means riches. And apparently the Assyrians got the concept of a god of wealth from their neighbors, the Babylonians. Babylon was a city founded on pride and arrogance. You remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. At its heart, here it is, zone in with me. At its heart is an attitude that says, man doesn't need God. We're self-sufficient. This is what the spirit of Mammon tries to tell us. You don't need God. Trust in riches. In the biblical sense of the word, mammon is the spirit that rests on money. Did you know that all money has a spirit on it? It either has the spirit of God on it or the spirit of mammon. Money that is submitted to God and his purposes has the spirit of God on it, which is why it multiplies and cannot be consumed by the devourer. I'm convinced that money has been, when money has been submitted to God, wealth that is devoted to serving Him rather than trying to replace Him is blessed by God. In a very real sense, God's Spirit blesses it. On the other hand, money that is not submitted to God has the spirit of mammon on it by default. That's why people so often try to use money to control or manipulate others. It's why people think money can bring them happiness or fulfillment. Mammon is basically the spirit of the world. And then he ends that chapter by saying, and that spirit is a liar. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm grateful to pastors such a remarkably generous church. I'm blown away week in and week out. Month in, month out, year upon year, your incredible generosity. Today's message, though, wasn't about you and the church. The first time I've shared on generosity or finances in almost a year and a half. Why did I share on it? Very simply, felt like the Holy Spirit asked me. If you've been around Hillside for a while, this isn't my favorite topic. But I realize the longer I pastor I begin to realize the pull of mammon over people's lives so my encouragement to you today very simply very practically is in your prayer time this week if you're fasting with us continue fasting praying asking the Lord Father here's a simple prayer Father help me realign, to live with you as the source of my life. And I've already forewarned you 15 minutes ago, it can be excruciatingly painful. But can I tell you, Jesus invites us to live what's called the abundant life. The abundant life is not material, resources, or wealth. It's that close, proximity to heaven, and to the presence of God invading our lives. It's how God's economy functions. Generosity of spirit, generosity of heart, generosity of hand is all deeply connected to generosity with our finances. I want to encourage you. Maybe there's an area God's inviting you. Maybe, like I said earlier, it's an email, it's a letter, it's something that may just be holding door from opening. Let's be prayerful this week, and let's follow the invitation of Jesus to live generous, to love deeply, to serve others. Some of you this week will get a giving report. You're going to be encouraged. It's going to, I, I think it'll be, it was surprising to me, so it's really good, on our outreach and mission dollars. I want you to think about that. When you receive that, you made that possible. You've influenced and affected other people's eternity through your giving. Can I tell you, you've stepped into generosity, and here's what's remarkable. You are literally, as the word says, storing up treasures in heaven, which are untouchable to the spirit of the age or where moth and rust destroy. But you've helped transform it. And so I, as your pastor, say,